Hello, everyone. This is Z with Unlocking Greatness podcast. I want to share today about something very personal and very uh, heavy, uh, and I pray that it encourages you. Um, I didn't want to go into this, but God has been putting in my heart more and more and more that he wants me to share. And the title of this is going to be called My Answer is Yes. When we got the news about our son uh, passing away, um, we were blessed to be able to spend some of the last moments with him. Um, my husband and I uh, sitting by his bedside, and that was a beautiful moment of just, you know, um, his mother, his dad, and and, and, and us three being there. Um, and we got the chance to just sit and uh, hold his hands as he was taking his um, last breaths. And this is a moment I've not shared openly but God has really put in my heart why he wants me to share this. Just as he was in his final stages of taking his last breaths, I started playing a song, and I wish I could play it, but because of copyright stuff, they don't allow you to do all of that. Um, but the song is called Yes, and I forget the name of the group. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. I think it's called Shekinah Glory or something like that. And if you haven't heard it, it's the most beautiful song. Find it wherever it's at and listen to it. But the whole premise of the song is um, if I tell you what I really need, uh, will your answer still be yes? Something like that. And, and it's just kind of this lady singing over and over about, yes, my answer is yes to you. Um, and I, I wish I knew all the words, but um, um, I'm trying to think in my head as I'm speaking. But um, that that's the, the premise of what she's saying in the song is she's the, the, the song is as if God is saying to us, if I need to take you down this path, will you still say yes to me? Can your answer still be yes? And literally in the last uh, couple minutes of being there with my son, I, I pulled up the song on my uh, phone and just started blasting it really loud in the room. And I was screaming out, God, my answer is still yes. I'm still going to follow you. I'm still going to trust you. My answer is yes. Even in the midst of experiencing probably the greatest grief I've ever experienced in my life. And even though I don't understand it, I don't understand it. I don't understand uh, what's happening and why this has happened. My answer is still yes. And uh, I remember uh, after he took his last breath, uh, there was uh, some nurses and doctors in the room and uh, they looked at me and I'll never forget what one of the doctors said. She said, um, I've never in my life witnessed such great faith. You, you have no idea what you've just done for me and how uh, I, I've just never seen someone praising God and giving him glory and honor during one of the darkest moments of their life. I didn't even want to share this part because that's such a personal, intimate setting. Um, but as I've been sitting and talking to God, trying to make sense of things, to be quite honest with you, I've been asking him, what is it that you want? What, what do you want from me? 
And all I'm getting back in return, and this happened again last night. I was laying in my bed crying because I knew I was going to be recording this today. So I literally was in my bed crying, thinking through this. And all God kept putting in front of me and putting in my spirit is, I want that. I just kept hearing the word that. And I said, well, God, what do you want me saying on camera to people or, or, or in a podcast? Like, I, I just lost my son. My plate is so overloaded with everything going on. I have a hard time getting my train of thought together sometimes. What is it that you want from me and why are you doing this? Uh, I said, why do you want me sharing such an intimate setting um, of me struggling to just pour my heart out to you and me uh, calling on your name during my darkest time? And he just put in, kept putting in my heart, I need that. I need for people to see that. I need for people to see that. I need for them to hear those words. And I just bawled and bawled. You would have thought something was wrong with me. But last night I was just bawling. And I, and, and I, I said to God, and I have very frank discussions with him, by the way. Um, I said, God, but I'm not doing my best right now. Like, I still am not quite back there. Like, I'm, I'm, I have a hard time struggling and reading my Bible. I have to literally pray and almost force myself to sit and just spend some time going through reading stories in the Bible. Um, you guys know I sit in my closet a lot. So lately when I go and I sit in my closet with him, I'm, 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 I'm so tired. And I didn't realize that grief brings such, sometimes it can bring, a, at least for me, not only sort of a physical pain, a little bit of that, um, but a tiredness, literally a tiredness. And I'm sure there's some of you that understand where I'm coming from. So I said, God, even when I'm in my closet, um, I'm still not quite who I was or where I used to be or where I can be. I, I, half the time I'm falling asleep. I literally would go in there, sit, and I'm just sitting in the dark in the closet, and I'm just before God. And half the time I'm being honest, there's no words that's coming out of my mouth. And I said, God, so how on earth is that going to help anybody? What, what is it that you want me to say? And all I kept hearing is he said that, that. And the only thing I can gather from that is I thought, perhaps there's someone that needs to hear or see That is not always easy, and it is a struggle at times to draw near to God. It's not always so easy. Perhaps someone needs to see that in the midst of losing someone they love or in the midst of going through such great turmoil that it is possible to still have faith and trust in God even when you're hurting and don't understand. And so in my mind, that's kind of what I came to the conclusion of is, I don't know, maybe there's just one person out there that needs to see this, a woman who's truly heartbroken by the loss of her son, but who's also still struggling to honor God in her life and do what's right before God. And perhaps if she can do it, maybe just perhaps I can give God another try. So I hope that somehow my sharing this is helping you. Now, I'll be honest with you guys, because, um, it, it, you know, most of you know me, um, at least you're getting to know me a lot more now. Um, 
I'm authentic with what I'm saying because I'm nobody's minister. Let me make that clear. And I don't have some game plan on, you know, whatever. This is just me sharing my heart. Um, I really did try to be mad at God. I want to make that clear. As, As bad as that sounds, I tried really hard to be mad at him. Like to, how could you take him? And he was so young and he just wanted to live. Um, And I tried to be mad at him. If you guys remember a couple episodes ago, I said how I feel like I'm in a room and God's on one side of the wall. And we're both in a room together, but he's on one side and I'm on the other side. And I'm not mad at him, but I'm just not close to him. That's what I was feeling at the time. Now I feel like I'm kind of in the center of that floor and, and God is a lot closer. But I try really hard to be mad at him. And I think the biggest thing that has touched me is when I look back and I recall all of the dark and heavy moments I've gone through in my life, God has always used that as a springboard to take me to another level. There isn't one situation in my life from the time that I was you know, uh, homeless with my mother and my siblings to the time we moved 22 times in one year when I was younger to all the struggles I've seen and witnessed that no child should ever witness or see or bear. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and listen to some of the old episodes. I won't go through that now. But to to the times when I endured, uh, um, uh, endured, it's the word endured. No, that's not the right word. You guys have to bear with me. As I said, my thoughts get mumbled sometimes, but from the times that I went through some uh, major financial struggles, struggles in my marriage, struggle with kids, uh, uh, just in every area of my life, every single thing that I went through, none of it has been wasted. I- even during the darkest moments, there, there's when I look back and I reflect, I don't even see the dark times as much. I see what God did as a result of it. And so The hope that I have is even though I can't see it all right now, to trust and know that something is being birthed out of this moment that's taking me to a higher level, that's going to bless me to give more glory and honor and praise to God. And let me tell you guys this, and this is something else I hadn't talked about that people don't know. God woke me up many years ago and told me to write a book. And he even gave me the title, and I won't say that title right now. It's a pretty heavy book. And he woke me up at about three in the morning. This was maybe about six, seven years ago. It was a while ago. And he's and at three in the morning, he says, I'm gonna have you write a book and I'm gonna have you call it. And he told it to me. And I'm like, okay. And so um, I began to kind of write it a little bit and I just never could finish it. I never could really do it. Um, And if you knew the title, and I'm going to give that out eventually, it's a very heavy title. Well, about a week before my son passed, and again, only maybe one or two people know this. God woke me up in the middle of the night. said (laughs) 
now is the time to start writing this book. So at about two, three in the morning, I'm sitting on my floor in the room. I lit a little candle and I'm looking out the window. And when I tell you that God began to put fire in me and use me as his pen to start writing, I'd never in my life written so strongly, such, such, uh, I don't even want to call it poetry, but such words. And I'm, I'm beginning to write the chapter, start starting writing this book that he told me a couple years ago to write. But in that moment, I was crying like you would not believe me. And I have, I think I've only told this to maybe one person, um, um, a friend of mine I'm pretty close to. I was crying and crying and crying like a baby. I'm talking like the kind of crying you do when you can barely catch your breath. And this happened for about two, three nights. And the reason I was crying is because I knew something was going to happen. I didn't know that it would be my son passing away, but I knew something major quickly was going to happen because God had given me permission. Now is the time to start writing. About two to three nights um, before uh, my son passed away. And keep in mind, we had no warning of this. I want to make this clear. God woke me up in the middle of the night and said, now is, I, I want you to go downstairs and pray with him. And I'm like, Lord, it's late. And he just kept putting in my heart, go pray. I went downstairs in the middle of the night. It was almost midnight. And I said, son, God keeps telling me we got to pray. He said, why, mom? It's almost midnight. It's late. Can't we do it tomorrow? I said, no. And I had never done this before, so keep that in mind. I said, we got to pray. And I started praying Psalm 23. And we did the prayer, and he's like, okay, Ma, thank you. We prayed. I went on back upstairs. Then the next night, God tells me, I want you to go take communion with him. I said, God, why do you want me to do communion with him? It's not even like Sunday. Like, what, what, what are you doing? He says, go. So here I am late at night going to a store to buy my communion wafers and things to do communion. Anyway, I didn't want to go too far down that road. I'm saying this to say to you guys. One, to share my heart with you. Two, to share with you guys that God is powerful. He's real. And he does move in our lives even when we don't understand what he's doing. Um, God knew all along what he was about to do or allow to happen. And even though I didn't know it, he was getting me prepared for that, that moment. There's a passage. I'm kind of switching gears a little bit. And you guys really have to bear with me because I kid you not. When I say I have nothing written down, I have my Bible. If you can see, um, I don't have any notes or anything written down. I'm just sharing from my heart. Um, but there's something I read today. I, 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 uh, I had lunch with a, a, a business associate of mine today. And, um, <laughs> I don't know. I just started talking to him about the book of Ecclesiastes. And I said, you know what? I think I'm going to do a podcast episode today and I'm going to have to talk about this. So here's the, here's a point. I'm kind of switching a little bit, but just follow me. In Ecclesiastes, 
what I love about it is you guys know it was it's believed to have been written by Solomon, right? Remember Solomon was David's son. And remember Solomon was just so wise. I'm going to save you the details. You can read through a lot of this on your own. But Solomon basically denied himself nothing his eyes desired. He said he refused he refused his heart no pleasure. Um, he's the one that built all the vineyards and I mean, the, the mansions and he had, I mean, it, it was just basically con, con, consider him as like the richest man on earth. You know, think about it from that point of view. What I love about Ecclesiastes is Solomon constantly reminded us that everything is meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind. So I'm going somewhere with this. If you give me another, maybe three minutes of your time, I'm just going to bounce around. Just follow me. But in Ecclesiastes, um, in chapter one, he says in verse three, what does a man gain from all his labor at which he toils under the, the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. Uh, then he goes on to talk about it, uh, in um, chapter uh, one, verse 10. Uh, I think I'm in chapter one or am I in chapter two now? Chapter two, verse 10. He said, um, well, I'm going to back up some more uh, to maybe verse three or so. He said, I wanted to see what was worthwhile for men to do under heaven during the few uh, days of their lives. I undertook great projects. And he goes on to talk about I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs of water, uh, groves of flourishing trees. You know, he just goes on and on and on to talk about the silver and gold he amassed for himself and how he became greater in Jerusalem than anyone else before him. In verse 10, he says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work, and this was the reward um, for all my labor. Now, listen to this. Yet, this is verse 11. When I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. So then he drifts a little bit and he goes on. I'm, I'm going to pick up in verse 17. He says, so I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of this was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I tore for under the sun because I must leave them to one who comes after me. And who knows whether he'll be a wise man or a fool. Yet he'll have control over all the work into which I poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over my toilsome labor under the sun for a man may do his work with wisdom and knowledge and skill. And then he must leave all he owns to someone who's not work for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What does a man get for all the toil and anxious striving with which he labors under the sun? All his days, his work is pain and grief. Even at night, his mind does not rest. This too is meaningless. A man can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat and drink or find enjoyment? Uh, then he, then you know, he just goes on to talk a little bit more. Uh, and then uh, in chapter three, verse twelve, he says, "I know there's nothing better for a man than to be happy and to do good while they live." Uh, that every everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction. Now, I, I, just bear with me a little bit longer, you guys. So if you go on into some of the other chapters, oh, my goodness, it gets so good. I don't want to stop. Um, but in, in chapter 5, um, verse 10, let's pick up from there. Chapter 5, verse 10, he says, whoever loves my, my Bible is all messed up, so bear with me. I'm sure you guys see it's just, but anyway, it's my tried and true Bible, and I love it. Um. 
Chapter 5, verse 10. Whoever loves money never has enough money. Let me read that again. Whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. Wow. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. Let me read that again. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owner except to feast his eyes on them? And then he just goes on to talk about it. I'm about to wrap this up, you guys, in verse 15. I said all of this to make this point I'm about to make. Verse 15, I'm in chapter 5. He says, naked a man comes from his mother's womb. And as he comes, so he departs. He takes nothing from his labor that he can carry in his hands. I'm going to say that again. Naked a man comes from his mother's womb. And as he comes, so he departs. He takes nothing from his labor that he can carry in his hands. When I thought about in every day, uh, I'd be lying if I just, if, if, if I didn't say at some point every day, I'm still crying about my son. A lot of times now it's late at night when I just lay in the bed and just tell him how much I miss him. Um, I'm kind of weird because I think through picturing my son when he was in his casket. And I know that's hard for my family to even think about, uh, let alone look at. For me, the reason it helps me is there was nothing else in there with him. And I was crying about this last night. Late last night, I thought, you guys, there's nothing that he was able to take with him, not his car, uh, not his iPad, his cell phone, his bank account, his wallet, his IDs, his glasses, his books from school, his clothes, his jewelry, all the things that, um, you know, he always had. Most of that stuff is with me in a backpack right now. Um, he wasn't able to take any of that with him. And it just gives me such a different perspective on life. I'm not trying to encourage you guys. I'm praying to God that you guys are encouraged by this, that you're not feeling down, but that there's something in you that's like, man, that's right. All these things I'm stressing about in life and I'm trying to work so hard for. And it's nothing wrong with going after dreams and working on things and doing your 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 thing. And you guys know I'm all about that. After all, I'm an entrepreneur myself, right? But I just want to remind you that you can't take it with you. Not only do we not know how long we've got, that we're, how long we're going to be here, you can't take any of it with you. And you may say, yeah, but I get to leave stuff for my kid. Well, did you not read what Solomon said in the Bible? We don't know if they'll be wise or a fool. We really don't know. I actually know of a person, and I won't dare say the name, who parents left her millions and millions and millions of dollars. And anyone that's close to me probably knows who that person is. And literally, she allowed people to come in and just flounder and just uh, take all the money. 
And I, I thought, I, I, sometimes I think about her and I just think, my God, all of that property and land and buildings and stuff that her parents worked so hard for, she was an only child. When they left, all of it left because she couldn't handle it. She, she, she just wasn't wise enough to manage it. So I'm not saying we shouldn't leave things behind. I believe in generational blessings and all of that. I'm just trying to shock you a little bit in your spirit to realize that we can't let that be the main thing we're living for and stressing our butts out over stuff that won't last and won't go with us. What's going to last is what we leave behind in terms of our love, our passion, our purpose in life. How, how are we touching and influencing someone else? What, what talent has God given you? What has what he put uniquely in you that God wants you to use to help other people? That's what's important and what's going to last. It's not your money. It's not your fancy purse. I could care less. And by the way, if anybody knows me, they know I'm not a shopper. I absolutely do not like shopping. Barely ever go. I'm the kind of person I wear two, three pair of jeans all year. That's just who I am. But anyway, it doesn't matter the purse you have. It doesn't matter your car. It doesn't matter how big your house is. It really doesn't matter if you're renting or own a place. Because some people are so stressed out because they want to buy a home. I got to get a home. Got to get a home. Got to get a home. You know, and I've been on that, that path. But now I'm down a path where I've seen my son laying in a casket and nothing is going with him and all I'm just saying you guys I'm not trying to yell I'm sorry if I come across a little strong read the book of Ecclesiastes see see what someone who achieved everything we can even imagine trying to achieve mind you this man had more homes and vineyards and things than anybody and look at his conclusion, how all of it was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Because when I go, I must leave it behind to someone else. What matters is, you know what? Are we living out our purpose in life? He, he says to eat and drink and be happy and enjoy life in some, some kind of way, he says, in, uh, during, during the few days we have left on this earth. So I say all this to say, one, my answer is yes to God. In the midst of everything I've gone through. My answer is, God, yes, I'm still going to follow you and do your will. And I also say all this to say, I think for the first time in my life, I'm allowing myself to live. And I'm only at the beginning stage, by the way. I got a long way to go. But I'd be dang if I'm going to live the rest of my life stressed and worried about things. And being all caught up in stuff that won't last and won't go with. My heart and my prayer to God is use the talents you've given me. Use the gifts you've given me. Be it writing, be it speaking, whatever you want from me. To be able to be an inspiration and help other people. There are people out there, and I know this for a fact, have emailed me, Z. You don't even know what I was thinking of doing to my own life. But I'm, I'm hanging on. And I'm so grateful I found this podcast because it is changing my life. There's people that said, Z, I didn't see things from this perspective, but now I see it in a new light because of me hearing things through your pain. Well, I'm not the only one that can do this, you guys. There's many of you that should be on a podcast right now. And you may say, well, I don't have the equipment. I don't have, you have a phone. Take out your phone and just start talking. Improve the audio later. Go write your book. Go do whatever it is that God has put inside of you to do while you still have breath in your lungs. Do it while your hands are still warm. 
held my son's hands until they grew cold. Do it while your hands are still warm. I love you all. I pray this encourages you. I pray that I've not discouraged anyone. I just pray that you've been encouraged. And my answer is yes to God. And I pray that yours is as well, no matter what you're going through. Love you guys. This is Z with Unlocking Greatness Podcast. Bye-bye.